Welcome to another episode of Amon Sheeran's Pirate Radio Podcast. It's 10.07, Sunday night. We just finished watching Game of Thrones. And what an episode, man. We're going to break down the whole entire thing. I took some copious notes. Copious, that's an SAT word for the boys. Um, I took some good notes, so we're going to go through scene by scene, and I'll give some reactions, some thoughts, some fan theories, everything from A to Z. I'm a book reader, so I feel I'm uniquely suited to help break down this episode. And I know what everyone's thinking. Oh, man, another set setup episode, and um, I'm going to prove everyone wrong. I'm going to defend Game of Thrones a little bit. I know that was the main complaint about the first episode, that it was more of a setup thing, but here's why you guys are wrong on that, and here's why this is the best TV series of all time forever and i'd love to have you on if you're a game of thrones fan shout out to sean kildare uh everyone else that watches game of thrones so <clears throat> here we go and take a sip of water and we'll dive right in from scene one of season eight episode two of game of thrones a song of ice and fire did i mention i read the books all right here we go so first of all john snow is not john snow he is aegon Targaryen, the one true heir to the Iron Throne of the Seven Kingdoms of Westeros. So in the previously on, we had uh, we had that and Brandon Stark, Three-Eyed Raven, and Jamie Lannister. So the Three-Eyed Raven thing, I know it can be a little confusing, but Bran is omnipresent. He knows all and can see parts of the future. There's stuff he doesn't know. Like whether or not there will be a afterwards, like he was talking about with Tyrion, but I don't want to get too far ahead of myself. We'll start, so we'll start with the first scene now. So we had the Kingslayer present in front of uh, Daenerys Targaryen, and the reason they call Jamie Lannister the Kingslayer is because he slayed Danny's father, um, the Targaryen king, uh, to end Robert Baratheon's rebellion so he killed my father obviously uh jamie's got bands on his head like jason terry shout out to meek mill and danny wants him dead basically and the only reason that jamie is left alive is because Tyrion, danny's hand jamie's brother vouches for him as well and maybe more importantly uh lady brianne sir brianne of tarth at the end of the episode, vouches for Jamie and Sansa vouches for Brienne, whom she trusts with her life. So Jamie lives. And before that, though, Sansa brought up the Ned Stark versus Jamie fight in King's Landing. Now, this takes us all the way back to season one, I believe, when Ned Stark was Robert's hand of the king. Um, <coughs> Jesus Christ, I gotta catch my breath. So that was when uh, Jamie slashed uh, Ned Stark's leg in the streets of King's Landing, which Sansa was mad about. But once again, Lady Brienne steps in and vouches for the Kingslayer, and so he is left to remain alive. And he does, he doesn't kneel, but he does pledge to fight for the North and for the living. Alright, then we have Bran. Reading my notes here. Um, at the end of that scene, he says, the things we do for love, which is what Jamie said before he pushed Bran out of uh, the window when Bran saw him effing his sister. 
like I said, he's all-knowing, and he is the three-round raven. He's omnipresent. Um, but you guys know that if you watch the episode. <laughs> so basically, at the end of the day, Brianna Tarth saved Jamie's life. And John agrees to let him rock. And then we have, uh, excuse me, Gendry forging dragon glass. So the only two things that can stop a White Walker are Valerian steel, which is uh, some of the swords typically that people have. I think at the end of the episode, the sword that Sam gave to, um, I don't know if it's Jura Mormont, but it's a Mormont, uh, Danny's whatever. That guy that he gave the sword to at the end, that's a Valerian steel sword. So that can actually stop a White Walker as well as Dragon Glass. So that's that black stuff. The black, uh, it's actually obsidian in real life. The maesters call it obsidian. Um, so that's, those are the only two things. Valerian steel and Dragon Glass, which is obsidian. The only things that can stop a White Walker. And they just shatter um, when hit with those. So Gendry and Arya... <coughs> discuss um the dead coming and this is when uh he slams the thing into the thing to prove it's strong and so obviously at the end of the episode we know what happens again uh aria loses her v to gendry and they have had a relationship previous seasons so it was uh not surprising in that sense <clears throat> then we have jamie and brandon stark the three-eyed raven in the weirwood of Winterfell, which is the big tree with the red leaves, the big uh, white tree with the red leaves. So he states that he is no... So Jamie tries to apologize and asks why isn't Bran mad at him. He says he is no longer Brandon Stark, which is true and very important. He is the three-eyed raven. He can see past, the future, mostly the past. He's unsure about certain things in the future, which we'll touch on later. Um... So they go back and forth a little bit, and Jamie realizes he's not, he's no longer one of us, so to speak, uh, no longer a human. Um, which is tough to explain, but I'll just keep going. And the most important quote from this scene was, how do you know there isn't afterwards? Which shocks Jamie. Like, how do you know there will be life after the dead come walking towards Winterfell? <clears throat> okay, so the next scene we have, uh, preparations going on for the upcoming zombie apocalypse the, the white walkers the training montage we have brianne leading some training and we have Tyrion and jamie talk um and they're just reminiscing uh this is the i wanted to die with a belly full of wine and a woman's mouth wrapped around by c-o-c-k we have that scene um Okay, so that was like the training montage that joined by Brienne of Tarth. And this is when um, Jamie comes with his hat, his hat in hand to ask Brienne if he could fight under her. This is interesting. I thought she would agree to have Jamie fight with her. But as Jamie, as we all know, he lost his right hand. And uh, he's not really a capable fighter. He's no longer the Kingslayer. He's no longer the Golden Lion that he once was. Um, so Brienne actually does not agree to Jamie's offer for him to fight under her. So I thought that was interesting. Uh, and then we have, so 
in the following scene, we have Khaleesi and, um, we'll just call him Jorah, Mar Jorah Mormont, but I'm not sure of his first name, which is a fun fact. He is the son of, um, Jorah Mormont, who was the leader of the Night's Watch, who was killed. So he was, Jon Snow worked under Jorah Mormont's father, who led the Night's Watch. Just a fun fact. And so we have him and Khaleesi talk, and this is the scene where Jorah Mormont vouches for Tyrion and asks um, Daenerys Targaryen to get along with Sansa. And this is a very important scene, the following scene, where Sansa talks with Danny. Um, they talk about Jaime, just a little feminism scene, if you will. They talk about Jon, how men will do crazy things for women. And uh, they actually do find common ground. And there was a, there was tension in the first episode, but they do find common ground when Danny admits that she is in love with John. Um, and by the way, just so it's all clear, the lineage and the, of their incestuous relationship, Danny is John's aunt. She is the sister of Rhaegar Targaryen, who is John's father. And Lyanna Stark is Ned's sister. So Danny is Jon Snow's slash... Aegon Targaryen's aunt. So Danny admits that she's in love. Um, Santa asks about the North. Which this, I forgot about it until I read my notes. This is a very important scene. Um, Danny wants all seven kingdoms, including the North. But Santa asks her, what about the North? Santa says that they promised to never kneel to another king. After, um, whatever, after the war. So, Sansa has a right to claim the North, and this is, um, what are those things called? Foreshadowing for how the kingdoms will be divided up after this great war. Very interesting. Keep, a, keep your eye on that. So we have Theon Greyjoy arrives. He, if you flash back, he um, burned the kid and hung him and uh, betrayed the Starks after he was the ward of Ned Stark. So he pledges to to fight for the Starks, and Sansa gives him a hug. So, I thought that could be possibly a little more contentious, but, and we see a little romantic scene in the the closing things, scenes, uh, the closing montage between uh, Theon and Sansa. They're drinking together by the fire, so I thought that was interesting. They're both gingers, so they'll have a soulless child, of course. Yeah, so we saw that, uh, Sansa gives Theon a hug. That was kind of that. And then we have... Sorry, it's, I know it's a lot of just breakdown, but I will kind of slow it down a little bit towards the end and give some of my theories. So this is basically just an episode recap. If you want to fast forward, that's fine. I totally get it. So then we have uh, Sam's wife, Gilly. Um, we see her, and they're handing out food. Sir Davos is handing out food. And there's a girl with grayscale. And this, you guys are going to hate me, but I want to remind you of Arya and the many faces of death. So, um, anyone can be anyone when they put on that mask and they can take their face off. And the first thing that came into my mind is the girl with grayscale who promised to defend anyone, in the, everyone in the crypts is someone... Um, Someone who can change faces and change bodies. So watch out for that little girl. I uh, I got the evil vibe from her. 
I don't know if that makes sense. And if you guys have any questions at all about this, I know it can be very complicated. Just hit my DM. If you have my number, just text me. I'll explain it all. I promise. Like I said, I read the book. So I know what I'm talking about. Then we see a Horn Blairs. The Night Watch returns. We see Tormund and John's friend, who I don't know the name. But the only three that are left of the Night's Watch really are Samuel Tarly, John's friend, and Aegon Targaryen, Jon Snow. And then this is a storyline I'm really looking forward towards, or one of my favorite storylines in Game of Thrones, is the Brotherhood Without Banners. This is the guy who um, has been revived from death several times, the guy with the eye patch. Our pirate radio, right? So this guy, the Lord of Light, he's able to come back from the dead. Uh, the only one who else who has done that, and he only did it once, is Jon Snow. So uh, Tormund informs... Tormund Giantsbane, the other ginger, who was in love with Brienne of Tarth, informed John that the dead, the White Walkers, will be here before the sun rises, which we obviously see at the end of the episode. And then he asks about Brienne. Then we have, <coughs> uh, like I, I wrote down to mention that Dragonglass and Valerian Steel are the only thing that can kill White Walkers, which is what Gendry was forging in Winterfell. Um, and then. Just a quick theory. Well, what I would want to see is the Night King challenge Aegon Targaryen to single combat. That's obviously probably not going to happen, but I think that would be a sick scene. Um, so, like I said, Brandon Stark is now the Three-Eyed Raven. And I think this next scene is where they're all in council. Um, they talk... Like, we're all in that one room with the giant map and the figurines. Um, so this is where they talk about the Endless Night. Which is a tie-in to the Night Watch, and they swore to defend the wall. But the wall is broken. Um, they uh, Samuel Tarly talks about the long winter. And the most important thing I think we would take away from this episode is they're going to... The Three-Eyed Raven, Brandon Stark, will be in the Godswood, which is the also called the Weirwood, which is the big white tree with the red leaves. And he will draw uh, the Night King there, because he has the mark on him. Remember, the scratches on his forearm. So, uh, look for that. That's going to be very important. That's when that's when the nitty-gritty is going to get nitty-gritty. Um, that's where the rubber meets the road. Can I think of another analogy? Probably not. But that's where the Night King is going to meet uh, Brandon Stark. So that's where we could see, and that's what we saw in the on the next episode thing, like Danny and John in the Godswood. The dead are already here, um, and that's where we could see Jon Snow versus the Night King, Aegon Targaryen versus the Night King, and uh, Theo Theon. Excuse me, I was thinking of Theo Vaughn. Shout out to him. That's where we see. Theon shows honor and vows to have the not leave Bran alone in the Godswood, but um, have the Ironborn defend him there. And don't forget about those dragons. Those dragons are going to come in handy. That's what we see at the end of the episode where Danny uh, walks away and she's going to mount one of her dragons. And Jon might mount the other because he's flown them before. That's very interesting. But don't forget the Night thing. The Night King could have uh, been an All-American national champion in the Jav because he threw a spear and killed uh, Drogon, I believe, one of Danny's dragons. And so, remember, the the living have two dragons, but the dead have one. All right, I'm going to catch my breath here. Take a sip of water. 
Thank you guys for listening so much. If you listen this far, I really appreciate it. All right. Then we have uh, Tyrion and Brandon. They talk. Um, Tyrion asks for Bran's story, and then he says, if only we weren't... Bran is reluctant to tell him his whole story, but Tyrion says, if only we weren't trapped in a castle, which they are. About to die, which they are. Um, then the scene cuts to Danny and the Dickless Wonder, um, who's the guy who commands... I forgot the name, but the, the army of people who are sworn to fight for Danny. And then uh, we see Jon Snow's direwolf ghost. And and this is where Sam asks if he still hasn't uh, told Danny that uh, he is her nephew. Which is what Jon does, tells Danny the truth at the end of the episode in the Winterfell Crips. After that, we have the Night's Watch, the three, Samuel Tarly their friend who I don't know the name of I should look that up and uh, them on the top of the Winterfell walls and at the end of the scene we see the long shot of the of the night and the you know whatever the forest which signals that the dead are coming (laughs) and then we have Tyrion and Jamie reminiscing blah 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 I talk about Tywin and how he would find it funny that um, they're there in Winterfell. To, how Tywin would find it weird that they're defending the Starks Winterfell if he were still alive. And Tyrion killed them, obviously, with a crossbow. Not a bow and arrow. Those are different. Okay. And then uh, we have the them all kind of convene in that one room by the fire. And I am going to skip to the end because this is not long enough. We have the Ari and the Hound scene. I fought for you, didn't I? And then we have the guy from the Brotherhood without banners. And as Arya leaves, she said, I'm not going to hang out. I forgot the line, but with you old dudes, I'm not going to spend my last night hanging out with you old miserable cunts or whatever the fuck she said. Um, then we have the sex scene with Gendry and Arya. That's about that. Um, and we, Gendry admits to Arya that he's Robert's Baratheon, his bastard, and that's what the Red Woman wanted with him, his king's blood, which was with the leeches. <sighs> Arya seduces Gendry's, we see her scars, and then the people start convening in the, by the fire, for the fireside chat, shout out to former president FDR, or Roosevelt, whichever one, for the fireside chats, uh, then we have uh, Tyrion, like, read out everyone's accolades, which I thought was cool. Like, how many battles have we fought? I think we could live. He talks about Sir Davos Seaworth and his accomplishments. Tormund Giantsbane, Jamie Lannister, um, Podrick Payne, Bran of Tarth. I think that was everyone in the room. Uh, Podrick Payne is Bran's hand, and we have the scene where, oh, you can only drink a half cup, and they all end up drinking. Um... And then, I swear to God, I almost got misty-eyed in this, at the end of that scene where Jamie knights Brienne. That was, I got a little emotional, I'm not going to lie, that was a really cool scene. Um, and, uh, Rise, Brienne of Tarth, Knight of the Seven Kingdoms. I thought that was honestly beautiful. Uh, 
for Brianna Tarth, Knight of the Seven Kingdoms. That was really cool. Very well shot. Um, then we have the little ass kicker, the Lord of Mormontville, who's that little girl who wants to fight, but it looks like she ends up in the crypts, which I thought that was a cool scene. We have Sam gift his family's sword to Jorah Mormont which is Valerian Steel, which can defeat a White Walker. That's the White Walker's Kryptonite, Dragonglass, and Valerian Steel, which is uh, they're making arrows out of. Gendry was forging that. I mentioned that. Different axes and such. Um, and remember that Sam cured Dror Mormont of Grayscale, and he gives him his family sword, which was touching. And they save Tyrion, all the great mines, um, Little Ass Kicker, the... Lord of Mormont, Great Mind, Brave Little Girl, Stand in the Crypts, uh, Samuel Tarley, Maester of the Night's Watcher, Down in the Crypts, and Tyrion Lannister, Hand of the Queen, is Down in the Crypts. Uh, hopefully, theoretically, safely protected, but likely not. And this is where I stopped taking notes. Final scene. Wow. Um, shout out to Patrick Payne, uh, who is a noted coxman. Uh, I won't even get into that, but um, in a previous season, the prostitutes refused to pay um, Podrick. Refused to take money from Podrick because he was... You get the idea. <laughs> so this is the final scene, right? So we have the montage. Um, Podrick was the only one brave enough to sing. So he sings a song about Jenny. Obviously, he's a beautiful singer. And then we have... Um, like, the the horn blares three times, which signals that the dead have finally arrived. And they're here. This is it. The third episode is just going to be a straight-up battle. The biggest battle in television history. Are you guys ready for this? Like, if you don't think this is the best TV series of all time, you're dead wrong. Like, I can't stress this enough. This is going to be such a great third episode. And we see um, Danny leave to Master Dragon. Everyone's making the final preparation for battle. And um, I also wanted to mention that Arya got the Dragonglass Longstaff from Gendry. Which is she's going to be absolutely deadly with. And uh, I don't know what else there is to say. Other than my prediction. I'll end on a bleak and somber note. This the Night King wins. And he sits on the Iron Throne. Uh, can't believe I'm saying that. But. Yeah, it's going to be great. I uh, I can't wait for the next week's episode. Thank you guys so much for tuning in and listening to this. I know it was a little bit uh, mumbo-jumbo and I kind of rambled on, but if you're a Game of Thrones fan, I hope you enjoyed this. Uh, that's about it. I'll be here next week. I'll try to have a guest on. might make the episode a lot better. This was a, This was a tough one, but I will have a guest on, which will help me discuss this episode and maybe make my rambling thoughts a little more clear thank you guys so much for tuning in i'm going to send us off uh with the game of thrones theme and we're looking forward to having cliff ivy on who's uh my cousin-in-law he knows a lot about video games uh and he's a new dad so he'll be a great guest thank you guys again so much and uh happy easter
looks like. This is what it feels like. Thanks again, guys, for making it all the way to the end of the episode. I really appreciate it. Uh, love you guys. Thanks for tuning in.